everyone. Hello again. We're going to get started. And um, if you have a Bible, we're looking at Luke 24, 13 to 35. Um, that will be read kind of in sections during my preach. If, um, if you're new today, my name is Dan Chardwick. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic South. As I mentioned, Mosaic is a multi-site church. We've got a gathering in the north of the city and also one in Holbeck. And we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke, a number of stories in Luke where people encounter Jesus and are changed. And that's what we still believe today, that we encounter Jesus and we are changed. And so today we're looking at how Jesus changes the disappointed. And we'll see a story of two people who are disappointed. But let me just tell you a story more recent in 2021 of two people who were disappointed. Myself and my son are Manchester United supporters. They'd managed to make it to the Europa League Cup, which is like a competition in Europe that isn't the best, but is second one down. So the chance of silverware, Caleb was, he, so he was then nine. He'd, I was uh, between the ages of four and nine as a child. I had loads of success as a Manchester United fan. They were always winning trophies. But for Caleb, his early part of his life was dominated by disappointment. United not doing very well in cups or in the league. And this one night, the 26th of May, Manchester United were playing in the Europa Cup final against Villarreal, a Spanish team. And they were meant to win. And they got to full time, it was a draw. Got to the time... Uh, end of extra time, it was still draw. So penalties determined who would win. The first 20 penalties were scored. So it's 10 against 10. Who's left to take penalties at this point? The goalkeepers. Villarreal's keeper scored, Manchester United's keeper missed. It's about half past 10 at night. Caleb's got school the next day. And he goes to bed disappointed devastatingly disappointed. Maybe it's trivial, that story. But as I, I recognise as I speak to the room, there are those of you who are here who have been disappointed when life didn't turn out how you'd hoped. You maybe hoped for a new job. You maybe hoped for healing that you've not seen. You maybe hoped for a baby for reconciliation, for a, a, to be free from grief. Maybe you'd hope this year you'd come out of depression. Maybe you'd hope that that problem would be resolved. I had hoped. They're some of the words we read in this story. Or maybe it's not past tense, maybe it's present tense. Maybe that your life speaks of continually being disappointed, of carrying disappointment around like a satchel strapped to you. And the world is full of disappointment, and that's not new, because in, when in 1960, C.S. Lewis's wife, Joy, died, he thought his grief would be less if he intentionally avoided the places where he and his wife had been. So he went to new restaurants. He walked different streets. He switched shops where he would buy his food from. It didn't work. He said this. He said, I found out that grief is like the sky above. It's over everything. 
Grief is like the sky. Yet today, there's a possibility that God will speak to you in your disappointment. And there's also a possibility that you're going to be equipped for a future disappointment to know what you might do or put things in your life now so that that disappointment doesn't destroy you. If you're someone who wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus yet, we're looking at a story where Jesus confronts disappointment as people uh, on a journey with Jesus. And he comes and brings hope. Dutch author Henri Nguyen says, sometimes it seems that life is just a long series of losses. When we are born, we lost the safety of the womb. When we went to school, we lost the security of family. When we got our first job, we lost the freedom of youth. When we got married or ordained, we lost the joy of many options. When we grew old, we lost our good looks. Some of you kept them. When we became weak or ill, we lost our physical independence. And when we die, we lose it all. The world is full of disappointment, but there is hope in the world. And there's and none more so in this story in Scripture. It's a picture of a, a journey of faith. And I'm going to retell it like a four-scene play. Highlighting the different scenes. And then I'm going to ask you a question at the end. Where are you in the story? In which scene do you find yourself? And right at the end, when I've finished speaking, I'm going to invite you to come forward if you want to respond. And someone will come alongside you and pray for you. So, scene one. Disappointment. Now that same day, two of them, them being the dis- two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. This day, we l- learn later, is the day that Jesus rises. Yet, these two disciples are leaving Jerusalem. You see, it's been three days since their hopes came crashing down at the crucifixion of Jesus. They had hoped that Jesus would have led a a religious rebellion and would overthrow the Roman oppressors and bring a new day for the Jewish people that had been foretold about in the Old Testament. And these two travellers in Luke 24, they're walking away from Jerusalem. They are thinking that maybe they could leave their grief and their disappointment behind. Jerusalem for them had become like C.S. Lewis's regular shops and cafes, haunted with memories of what used to be. Jerusalem was the place where their dreams had died. It was time for them to hit the road and leave their troubles behind. Emmaus, as a town, was famous for hot baths. Did you know that? Maybe they thought they were off for a spa day. That's how they were going to deal with their grief. But it was a journey that took them away from Jesus, not towards him. You see, their disappointment led to desertion. Desertion away from the other disciples, the other followers of Jesus, away from the city where Jesus was alive. Away from Jesus. But incredibly, and if I'm honest, not surprisingly, if we know anything about Jesus, Jesus comes and walks with them. 
He comes and joins their conversation. But for the first bunch of verses, quite a long conversation, they don't recognize him. Verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Anu Nguyen says this, God is a God who is with us, a God who joins us on the road so that we never have to feel lost in our struggles. In the disappointment and struggle that maybe you're living in right now, do not fail to notice God is with you. He is walking with you. Even if it is away from God, God will be pursuing you. And today God wants to open your eyes to notice him and to notice more of what he's doing in your life. Yet we mustn't remain passive down in the dumps in our disappointment. We must, instead we must ask, what are we going to do with these losses? If life is full of disappointment, which it is, what do we do with these disappointments? How do we deal with them? Four ways you might deal with them. One, running away like these two disciples. Two, losing sight of God, like these two disciples who can't recognize Jesus. Such is their disappointment. Thirdly, by lacking the humility to recognize God is doing something different, like these two disciples. Or fourthly, by going for distraction. Bottle it up, try and forget about it, like these two disciples offer a spa day in Emmaus. Four dangerous ways of dealing with disappointment. Yet instead, I want to suggest that you need to start with where you are, with having a conversation with Jesus. If you're new with this following Jesus thing, or if perhaps you're finding a way back to God, having been away from him for a while, I genuinely mean having a conversation with Jesus. You know, using your words to talk with Jesus, to speak with him, to pour out your heart. And as we speak out our pain, he listens and responds. And the life of a Christian is one of listening to his voice. Be honest with God this morning. Be honest with him. When we pray um, at the start of every Sunday meeting, often God speaks to one of us or, or someone says, "Oh, God's been saying this this week. And Mary, at the beginning of that or in that prayer time, Mary, who's leading worship, felt God uh, say to us that we need to bring our unedited version of ourselves. Bring our unedited version of ourselves. Not the one we think we should present to him. The, the Sunday best version. But just bring who you are. With all your disappointment. Scene one, disappointment. Scene two, the dialogue. So then to the conversation. The doubt is obvious in verse 21. We had hoped. We had hoped Jesus would be this person. We had hoped he really was the Messiah. We had hoped he was going to set the world free and create a new Israel. 
Verse 20 and 21. The chief priests and our rulers handed him, which is Jesus, over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since this had taken place. What are they saying here? They're saying their hope in Jesus had died. And who he said he was had died. Yet to many in the Bible who question God, and if you read the Bible, there's plenty of them. If you're today questioning God, you are not alone. God answers those people who question. He answers with a question to Adam and Eve, to Hagar, to Jacob, to Moses, to Job, to Elijah, to Isaiah and to Jonah. And then Jesus, recorded in the first books of the New Testament, he does the same. He brings questions. Did you not know? Who touched me? Where is your husband? What do you want me to do for you? Who do you say that I am? Think about your own disappointment. What question is Jesus asking of you? What question are you telling yourself about your own disappointment? How are you speaking a story into your life that misses, like these disciples, the truth of what God is doing? And what do you need Jesus to speak to you today? Pastor in New York City called Susie Silk says, a question causes the listener to stop, to think, to examine what they are doing. And so Jesus asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk alone? So walk along. Then in verse 19, what things, he responds to their statement. And then in verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? When Jesus asks three questions, he opens their hearts to a different story. A different narrative than the one that their disappointment is speaking. And then we follow the story. He brings comfort through confrontation. He actually calls them foolish at one point and spends time revealing what the scriptures say about the Messiah and what he came to do. Because these disciples, these followers of Jesus, they'd had wrong expectations of who the Messiah would be. And their wrong expectations led to disappointment. But this stranger, who we know is Jesus on the road, was going to make things clear. And hope is being renewed as Jesus teaches the scriptures to them. And we come to the third scene, dinner. And the beginning of this scene three, where we've arrived at dinner, where we find these two followers of Jesus have already had their hearts changed. They reflect later that were our hearts not burning within us, they want this man to stay with them. They still didn't recognize Jesus, but they recognized in their conversation that our hope isn't lost. We need more of him. And so as they, it looked like Jesus, he's going to travel on beyond Emmaus to the next village. And they say, no, Jesus, please come with us. The hour is late. Stay with us and have dinner with us. And Jesus, he loves a meal. Genuinely loves a meal. I don't think that's why he says yes to them. But Jesus, no doubt, is pleased all the same. And he walks with these disciples into the town to the Emmaus Hotel or the Emmaus Diner 
and they sit down and they have a meal that these disciples will never forget. And if you're learning to follow Jesus, maybe you feel the same way. You are captivated by him. You're urging Jesus to to do more in your life. Well, you're in good company because these two early followers of Jesus, they do the same. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. They urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in with them. Here in the regular, mundane, ordinary moment of an evening meal, Jesus reveals himself. How are you expecting God to reveal himself to you? Maybe it is in the astounding and the extraordinary, because he does that. But it's also in the ordinary and the mundane. Maybe as you do a devotion in the morning with a cup of coffee. Maybe it's at dinner time, in the evening meal, where you're sat down with the people you live with and you you look at the Bible and pray together that God reveals himself. Maybe it's right before you go to bed and you're just sending some messages and someone sends you a message that God speaks to you. He's able to both reveal himself in the extraordinary and the mundane. And so to this meal and the breaking of bread, the moment when Jesus reveals himself and they they recognize him. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Sorry if you're really interested in that verse. I don't know what that's about. They then asked each other, Were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So this moment of recognition, what's happening is he's, as um, the story is told deliberately by Luke, the author, who is the scribe of the disciple Simon Peter. He uses the same words that are used in the feeding the 5,000 and the Last Supper. The, the time that Jesus in, invites people to take what we call communion, this, this last uh, meal he has with his disciples. He takes, he thanks, he breaks, he gives. And then their eyes are opened and they knew or they recognized. These words nearly identical in the feeding of 5,000 and the, the dining room of the Emmaus Cafe. So the actions would have been unmistakable. They'd have been in that room. They'd have seen what happened. Even if they weren't disciples round the 12, they'd have known, they'd have understood. And there can be little doubt this whole thing is a visual reminder to us of Jesus and the communion meal we take. But what's more, it actually are the same words as Genesis 3. So written not in Greek, but in Hebrew, of in the Garden of Eden, which speaks of Adam and Eve and their fall. So two people in both stories, leaving behind a holy place. Not the Garden of Eden, but Jerusalem for these disciples. Leaving with disappointment, conversation full of sorrow, And the way the writer, uh, Luke, it's meant to stir up thoughts of the narrative 
of the fall and of Adam and Eve leaving. Because behind them is the city of God. Because they think death is in that place. Yet unlike Adam and Eve, who have to build a life beyond Eden on top of that disappointment, unlike them, a man comes after these two disciples. The one foretold in Genesis 3 who would, in the first garden who would crush the head of the serpent forever. And these two travelers recognize the first, sorry, the, the new Adam. He takes the bread, he breaks it, giving thanks to God, and they eat it in God's presence. Their eyes are opened, not to sin, as in the garden, but to the sinless one. And they can know, they can recognize, they can realize, not their nakedness and their shame, but the risen Savior that is before them. The one who would cover their shame, our shame, and open up a way for them and us to know Heavenly Father forever and return to the very first garden. To Eden renewed, to the kingdom of God. Jesus changes everything and today he invites you to bring your disappointment to him. To allow him to fill you with hope and his presence. So what do they do with this revelation? Final scene. The declaration. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. They t- then the two told them of what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So they've got up from that table in Emmaus and they've rushed back to Jerusalem, back along the same road which they'd previously d- travelled. They'd been full of confusion and disappointment, hadn't they? Now they returned full of excitement, full of hope, because they had met with Jesus. They go and declare the Lord has risen. Here, disappointments end in a declaration that the Lord has risen. So it's time to think, where are you in the story? Are you alone in disappointment, like the disciples on that road? Well, my suggestion to you is to be honest and talk with Jesus. Are you in dialogue? Do you need Jesus to reveal himself in his word, through prayer, through um, gratitude, the practice of gratitude? Or are you at dinner? You need courage to declare to others that Jesus is alive. You have a story to tell. Jesus is alive. And he's at work in your life. And so, just as we finish, I want to invite the band back. And we're going to have a moment for God to speak to us. For God to um, move in our hearts. God to reveal himself to us. For you to speak honestly. To bring to God, not your edited version, but yourself. And God wants to speak to you. Maybe you find yourself in disappointment. Well, my invitation is that although you may not recognize what God is doing in your life, Jesus is still with you. And you need time today to stop and grieve. 
to decide and come forward. I need to talk to Jesus. And there will be a moment for you to do that. I've asked some of the leaders in the church to take a, a lanyard as they walked in. So there will be people who come forward ready to pray for you. Or perhaps you're in dialogue with Jesus and you need to come forward to be prayed with. To be encouraged and, and strengthened that in your time as you pray, as you speak to him, God will reveal himself to you. This morning you need to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you to show yourself. I want to recognize you in my difficult circumstances. I need you to show me, show up as I read the Bible, as I pray, as I do these daily devotions each week, uh, each day this week. You want someone to pray with you that your heart will burn again. Burn again like these two disciples' hearts did. Or perhaps you're at dinner and declaration. And you need to mark the moment that God's worked in your life. That he's given you some fresh perspective, even today. And you need to come forward to be prayed that God would fill you with his spirit and fill you with courage that you might share that word with someone else who, who isn't yet a follower of Jesus. Because God's given you a good news story. You need to come forward and praise him for what you've done. And then testify to others that story of God working in your life, of God walking with you. Well, C.S. Lewis said, didn't he, grief is like the sky. It's over everything. But so now, apparently, is hope. So let's pray. I wonder if you could stand. And I invite the ministry team to come to the front. To face, and if you come to the front and face people... Perhaps you um, haven't got a lanyard, but you want to pray for people. And I sent you an email this week. Come and grab one over to my right, your left. And just come into this space here. And I'm going to begin to pray. And as I pray, if you want to come forward to receive prayer, to be prayed for, the band will keep playing quietly. Just come forward and stand in front of someone. It's probably best if you guys pray with guys and girls pray with girls. And so we look to you, God. We look to you and say this morning, amidst all the disappointments we carry around, we say you are the one. You are the one who can change our hearts. You are the one who will walk with us. You are the one who is able to speak a word into our hearts. You're the one who can reveal yourself to us. You are the one who knows our circumstances even better than ourselves. And again, if, yeah, again we say to God, we need you. We need you. So if you want to be prayed for, just come forward. Just go and, uh, go and stand in front of someone and they will pray. Remember, I reminded you that it's time to get honest. As Mary said, it's, not to, it's time to bring our... Um, are unedited versions of myself. That first song we sang, All My Failures I Try to Hide. I want us to commit today that this is not a moment to, com- to, to hide our failures, to, but bring them out into the open. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your kind words to us. 
throughout scripture and your kind heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you welcome us. Even when we run away, you pursue us and that's where your kindness goes to us. And we respond gladly. 